Coffee's ready. Guest is ready. Let's get started. Hello and welcome back to the Prodigy Podcast. We are on episode 32 and I am on with someone who's just come off a win uh, on the Polaris undercard um, against Bryony Tyrell that we're going to talk about um, as well as a whole host of other things. Today's guest is Libby Genge. Libby, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? All is well. Um, well, before we get on to um, your most recent competition, uh, as well as a whole host of other things, um, one of the first things that I thought about was, uh, of asking you was, when you think about how BJJ has shaped your life so far, how would, how would you describe kind of the, how significant the, has BJJ been in your life so far? How much of an impact has it had? How would you describe it? Uh, I mean, at the minute, it's just everything in my life. <laughs> like the only place I go is my home and to the gym. So like at the minute, I'm homeschooled. So I do my college online so I can just train full time and I can travel. So jiu-jitsu is just my life. Like the only people I really socialise with are the people at the gym. My parents train so I come home. We just talk about training, competing. It's just everything. Um, I didn't realise. Um, so you you made that choice to, um, to uh, be homeschooled so that you could train even more than you already were? Yeah. So uh, when the pandemic hit, I was in year 11. So obviously my GCSE just got completely like shoved in the bin. They just weren't going to happen. So then we made, I was something I was always thinking about and I'd kind of made the decision when we thought the pandemic was going to hit and I'd always wanted to do it uh, because when I was at school, my attendance was always quite low because I was always abroad and like competing and stuff and busy or I was injured or something. So we just made the jump. I think it was April time I made the jump and we just signed up and I decided I was going to do college online. And and that that's quite a, I guess that were, it must have been um, quite good in the sense that you had you have the support of your parents in that they understand the 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 reason for the sacrifice. It's not like oh, I'm going to be homeschooled because oh, I just don't want to go. I was about to say into the office, into school anymore. Um, it's it they they understand because they do it themselves. The the kind of the reasons behind everything behind it all. Yeah, I think it was as well. A lot of the girls I was competing against, they're homeschooled too. So it was kind of like, it was almost like I was at an unfair advantage by going to school. Uh, so it just made a lot more sense as well because then I could travel and stuff. So the plan originally was going to be um, the Europeans that didn't end up happening in 2021. I was If that had happened, I would have gone to Portugal and spent three weeks out there doing a training camp and then done the Europeans. So that wouldn't have been able to happen if I had been at school. It's almost a daunting thing for me to hear the idea that people like we uh, as adults, we're like, well, at least at least the teenagers and at least the ones who are going to school, they have to go to school. Now you guys are getting homesc- uh, homeschooling and training even more. But uh, is that commonplace then? Are you finding that the people you're coming up against, maybe not so much the the adults who either and we'll go on to this professional fighters or professional jiu-jitsu athletes but um you know the the other people in your age bracket are they are they doing a similar thing is this kind of a norm now yeah I, I don't think i know anybody who does go to school and isn't homeschooled in my category other than like the ones in the uk everyone else is like doing online school and has been for years it's a mad thing to think that uh there's going to be there's going to be a whole host of athletes who uh, are dedicated to even more time to training at an early at an earlier stage than everyone else would be when uh well when i first saw you compete which was on the when we were in the midst of the pandemic not that we kind of aren't still but um right at the point where essentially there was no competitions no nothing and empire grappling hosted um uh like a free to watch um online invitational show um and that was the first time that um i'd seen you compete and what immediately caught my eye was well a the relentlessness that every it seemed like uh the the, the relentlessness in which um you were going after your opponent and I've, I've forgotten her name but um the other thing was just kind of and now that you've told me that you're homeschooled and trained uh train even more makes even more sense but just how kind of comfortable you seemed competing with kind of the the knowledge that it was a one-on-one match was that your your first kind of uh your first show if you will and uh, no so i've done a couple of sub only's i think that was 
I think it was my fourth sub only now. So I'm quite used to it, yeah, by now. But um, I've been, um, I am quite like comfortable on the competition stage because I've been, I think I've been competing since I was probably around like 12, 11, 12 years old. So it's been um, a while. And and do you prefer is that uh, as you started doing more of these shows, do you have a do you have a preference for this particular format, or you you still lean towards your Europeans, your Pan Ams? Are those are they still kind of solely set on your sights? I think for Nogi, I definitely prefer the sub only format a lot better. But at the minute, I am I do prefer Nogi a lot more than Gi. But for Gi, I'd definitely go for like the IBJJF rule set. Obviously, during that period, you you're saying that you were training. Um, with your parents, um, both your parents do jiu-jitsu, right? Yeah, my mum's a blue belt and my dad's purple belt. And so um, I'm sure the, the the better that you progressed, how both proud and pain, in, much more in pain they were, or how much more they were getting beat up, especially during lockdown. Yeah, we were training like five, six days a week at least. Like we do... Uh, other than Friday, we do like two hours sparring a night, and then Friday we just drill some bits. And 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 was that? Did you feel that you were still able to kind of? A lot of people talk about the fact they're not able to keep up for uh, fitness, if you will, or kind of the the physicality side, but actually kind of the progression that maybe they were making um, pre kind of COVID and things like that. No, I'd definitely say the opposite. I improved so much more over lockdown because um, I was also managed to get classes like an elite athlete. So I was doing two sessions a week at Stealth as well. Um, and then towards the end of like the lockdowns when it was easing a bit, we'd have like a couple of people to come over. Um, and then it said it started off as like the three of us. And then it wasn't, I wouldn't say it was because of like the, we wanted extra training partners. It was more like we were stuck in the house together all during the day. And then in the evening, it was like, tensions were getting a bit high <laughs> so we had to bring a few people in just to break the tension so I'd definitely say I improved like massively over lockdown I, d- I don't think you're the only one who was uh kind of tensions were getting high in the house the more mm. <laughs> when you spend too much time with people it doesn't matter how much we love our loved ones when when you're spending 24 hours a day seven days a week with people even the Tesco shop is a relief yeah especially with uh before lockdown and like now after lockdown uh my mum and I just don't roll at all together because it's just best that way otherwise tensions do get high again so <laughs> it was a bit of a new experience over lockdown rolling with her but it was I, definitely I best was gonna, to have more people there to stop that happening <laughs> I was gonna say that uh so it I presumed that it was it was almost like all oh, right well I've got two new training partners that I don't usually train with now yeah, I've always trained with my dad since uh, like when I started when I was seven. That was because I started because uh, he already trained back then. So I started, I think the deal was like, if I started training, he'd get me a pinky. <laughs> so I started training then, so I've always trained with my dad. But it's more like, my, I think because we're similar sized, it's a lot more competitive. Whereas like my dad, I'm never going to, like he's always going to squish me because he's like 80 odd kilos. But with my mum, it's like that competitive streak in both of us. Is that kind of your 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 equally matched in size and strength, so it suddenly becomes a bit more yeah, but who's better at jujitsu? Yeah. Well, maybe for the 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 sake of the Genge household, it's it's good that um the guys are trading uh with other trading partners again. Yeah, definitely. That was a bit of a it was a bit of a tough streak that bit. <laughs> One of the things that, that I've got in my notes and was quite interesting is that you've competed kind of internationally as much as most pro athletes uh, have done in some of their careers anyway but and um, one of the things you have already competed in it competed in shall I say was the Pan Ams uh yeah so I've done the Pan Ams a few times I think both times I've come away with a bronze medal it wasn't it just never went the way that I wanted it to I think the the last time I properly did it that um I think I lost by two points like two points that shouldn't have gone against me uh, as I pulled guard I don't think I think she like kind of tapped my foot as I sat down and he gave her the two points and then um I just never got it back she was I got her in like a few uh tight triangles and a few arm bars and then her mum was like screaming in Portuguese like don't tap and all that and then it just never quite went my, my way but hopefully it'll go a lot better now and so was that something that you had your your sight set on last year to compete in again yeah, so I really wanted to do Europeans. And then the plan was, even recently, the plan was originally I was going to do Pan Ams, but then I'm just not going to be able to get over there in time. So then it was, right, well, Nogi Worlds. 
Um, and then even that's looking a bit tricky. So, and then Gi Worlds got announced. So I was like, right, well, I can't do no Gi Worlds. Probably not going to be able to do no Gi Worlds. Gi Worlds is now the focus. So hopefully in December, I'll be over there. And it, it, I guess that is that difficulty that the those those quite those huge competitions, as great as the Europeans like that, and when it comes to worlds and things like that, when you're having to travel to the US, especially at the moment, it it just makes life a little more difficult. Yeah, it's just like the financial side of it as well. You know, they all add up. They're not cheap. Absolutely not. And um, can imagine that, that that's the frustration as well, being the fact that. Again, they're so far away. Maybe they should bring the worlds to, I don't know, Crystal Palace. I, I, I don't think it'll. I don't think there'll be enough room, but we can try. Yeah, I think especially at the minute having like competitions called the worlds where half the country can't get there doesn't really make any sense anyway. Yeah, that that's a very good point. Uh, we'll we'll dr- we'll drop an email to them afterwards, just reminding them of the fact that it is called the worlds and not the US. Um, well. I mean, this kind of leads quite nicely onto the fact that uh, aside from the fact that you can't compete at those particular competitions um, and how I intro this uh, episode was the fact that you have competed on Polaris and um, you've done kind of different sub onlys before, but this was, um, and I'm sure you agree, kind of a huge step up in terms of just the kind of the eyes on and the the, the size of the audience of a show. and how how was it on? How did it feel when you kind of got the call from Polaris? And what were your th- thoughts and feelings about it? I was just happy to get the opportunity because you know it was something I'd always wanted to be on. But I, if I'm being honest, I did not think I was going to get on it like so soon. Uh, especially like to watch them like when they messaged me, they already had Bryony as an opponent, so I knew right. Well, I'm definitely getting a matchup because like previously I know like on like the sub only for Empire. You know, like I, I was going to be on it. I knew I was going to be on it, but the finding an opponent was really hard because you know, whenever whoever they message, it was always like they'd give an excuse for oh, why they didn't want to do it. You know, turn me down. Oh, she's a kid. Oh, she's not eighteen. Oh, she's just a blue belt. You know, like whereas for Bryony to then take it on, especially with such a big like age difference, there was a bit of a waist, uh, like a weight difference as well. And she was a purple belt and I was a blue belt. I really didn't expect to get that call for that match. And uh, what what was it like? Because uh... Obviously, Bryony's got both a BJJ, but also an MMA background. Um, um, have you kind of come against any opponents like that before, where it's someone who has kind of a uh, kind of mixture of expertise, if you will? Yeah, so uh, Megan Morris, who actually fought on the Empire sub only, she's an up-and-coming uh, MMA fighter too. I think it was um, like IMAFA, it was either the Europeans or the Worlds that she actually won. So, yeah, I've fought people like that before. In the lead-up show, obviously... If- spoilers for anyone who hasn't watched it but if you haven't then what are you doing because it's been ages now um you won the fight um but what what was it like how was there kind of because you've done things like pan ams you've done kind of big tournaments before so anticipation i'm sure is uh, there, there are similar feelings there although maybe slightly different but what was the experience like for you uh, it was quite different from like all the other subordinates I've been on, like more like professional wise, like the way they do like the rehearsals and stuff like that. I'd never really had that with any other subordinate, which was quite good. It was just good to see like the behind the scenes, what goes into it, like the, how professional they are as well, especially. But uh, yeah, I think I was in a, I was in the warmer pair of like Team USA as well, which was pretty cool. <laughs> Did you feel like you were kind of uh, kind of sitting with the enemy, warming up with the enemy kind of thing? No, it was actually pretty chill. Like John Blank was uh, playing with Lego, uh, and then like Alberto uh, Jimenez was like reading his Rastafarian Bible like the whole day. Uh, Rich Martinez was pretty cool though. I, I, I'm now getting the. Is this the insider track? So what kind of Lego does John Thor Blank play with? He was just making like trucks and stuff out of Lego. That the thing is, is it's something like that that I'm sure really. It should be really easy to ignore and yet somehow I would find that all of the most distracting thing if I was trying to get in the zone. Yeah, you was just like sat in the middle of the warm period, just like playing with Lego. And you're looking at going, oh, these guys, these guys are like top level professionals. Like they're is is this is this how that we're I'm meant to be doing it? Yeah. Especially when like because I was there just after my match when I went in, they were all warming up and like Herberto was like dancing around. 
to his music and they weren't even like I think they warmed up when I when I was competing but then like after they were all just like sat taking the mic out of Roberto like while he was dancing around like none of them were warming up well it's it's good to get an insight into uh just how team USA function I did think that actually one of the great things about the um, prelims being on things like YouTube was that you were able for those people who weren't gonna you know for whatever reason able to see the the main card they were still able to watch um your fight with Bryony um and I have to say I think uh, every fight on the undercard um ended with the sub as well if I remember correctly um although maybe the trial the the two uh, boys I think it was two Charlie's one went to Charlie's one to that one I think that one was from what I've heard and from the little bits I've seen that was really exciting to watch uh, and then Ollie Bates's one that went to a draw because I don't think his opponent really wanted to engage. No, oh, I forgot the Ollie Bates fight was on the undercard as well. Yes, you're right. And then we had the Jack Sear fight as well. Yeah. Um, but was that was that something for you where you 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 competed on that level show? Now, kind of looking forward, um, do you feel like you'll be much more comfortable, or do you think you'll make any changes, or won't change anything? If you fight on that, I mean, I'm sure you will now you've put on that performance as well, but fight on that kind of show again. Uh, to be fair, I was never nervous about it. I don't really get those. Like, I think a lot of people speak about how they get like nervous before competitions, get a bit anxious, but I don't really get that. I think I, the only time I really get it is like with like the big ones, like Europeans and stuff like that, especially like the Europeans in 2020, it was just not my day at all. So then I was definitely feeling the nerves. But for this, I, I think I knew, and in my head, I'd, I'd already knew that I was going to get the win. Is there anything that excites you about the idea of maybe in the future um, doing like a team's format? If there was a, a, a female UK versus team UK and Ireland versus US, um, does that kind of format interest you? Yeah, that definitely excite me. I think in the, correct me if I'm wrong, but in the past they did do like a gi, um, was it like UK versus Europe with the women? Yeah. Which is pretty exciting. And, 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 uh, I'm sure in your head you'd be like, oh, I want I want this person in my team and this person. And I love to compete yeah. against that person. Yeah, I think I've actually heard that there's, I think it's like Scot- Scottish Grappling. They're doing a uh, sub-only like women's team, uh, UK versus Scotland. That's blue and purple belts. I, I was going to be on it. Well, I would have liked to be on it, but um, I don't think they're actually accepting under 18s on the team, unfortunately. So a few months too young for that. I bet, I bet you can't wait for that to be kind of in the past and that, that that's never an excuse an opponent can give or never a rule that you have to get past. Yeah, definitely. My birthday's in January, so hopefully hopefully after that, especially like once I get my purple belt and I'm in the adult category, there's no dodging me, no dodging me then. <laughs> All of those people who are going, oh, but she's 17, they're, they're, come January, they're going to have it marked in their calendars. That's the day they'll retire. Yeah, definitely. I think people always, like I always hear on like when I do subordinates on the commentary, oh, well, their opponent's got all this experience on big stages, oh, like the age difference, oh, they've been training so long. But I've been training 10 years and I've been on big stages. I'm not nervous. I'm, like, I've got, I, if anything, I've got just as much experience as them. If not, if not more. more. To, so, to, to some degree, um, given that, because I, uh, I would be absolutely shitting myself if I, someone told me to step on stage for Pan Am. So, uh, that things like that, I think, are just they're w- w- wealths of experience. The whole from the lead up to even getting on a plane to travel for a competition, and the idea that like people haven't people who've never kind of travelled far for competition internationally for competition, even that in in itself is experience. Let alone doing the competition in itself. Yeah, I think I've definitely had some crazy experiences. Like I've been to Russia was probably like people are still like, what's your favorite competition? I'd still say that I think the one I did in Russia was like arguably the best. Like for atmosphere wise, it was definitely the best competition I've ever done. What competition did you uh, compete in in Russia? Uh, it was called like the the Gymnasium Cup. I think it was like the eighth one. I was the first person from the UK. It was just the only other people outside of Russia that were there were me and a kid from I think it was from Sweden. And was that was that kind of an invitation? Was that a, a, a tournament that you'd signed up for? It was a tournament I signed up for. It was like a really big one in Russia. They do get um, quite a few. It is that like, really big over there. They have like the a lot of like the national judo squad and the national sambo squad do it as well. Like go and compete. So it is pretty cool. There's like eight year olds doing like belly to belly suplexes and stuff. 
uh, uh, Eastern, like that, uh, Russian kids who do who have been doing echo or freestyle from the age of about two terrifies me. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. It was pretty cool as well because um, I think it was just the teen categories, but it it was in like a big um, it was like a big silver dome like there. It was like, I think it was like a national like sports center for them. So then when it got to the teens, they sent all the spectators had to go up into the stands. Um, oh, like right oh, at the top yes yeah, so there was nobody on like the ground floor except from like the referees the table staff and then they'd call you out from so I literally just went over it was just me and my dad that went to Russia my mum didn't even come uh, so my dad was up in the stands and then they call you out from like the warm-up area and then you go out so it's literally I think when I competed there was only like me and maybe like four other girls out on the floor and that was it and everyone up in that, the stand watching so it was pretty cool that's amazing so it, it suddenly all eyes are on uh, on you for the teens event why, why was that that they decided to do that for the teens i don't know i don't know if they do that if that's like a, a thing they do every competition but yeah it, like it hit a certain time and everyone just went up into the uh, stands and then afterwards it wasn't just like for my category afterwards like all the teens it was just them out on the floor that's fantastic i love that idea it's a bit like uh if you get to yeah you know, if you stay to the end of a, a, a comp whether you know any comp it can be i i think that one that won't come to my head for this situation is cleos um but that when it's the absolute finals for both the male and the female categories and suddenly everyone i think dan strauss last time i was there got everyone to circle the mat um and watch the absolute finals for both categories so suddenly it's like every eyes on you and it just creates a, com- a completely different atmosphere yeah, it was like really cool. I think as well with like the fact that everyone else was speaking Russian and stuff, like I could, my dad's voice looked really distinct. And you could just hear everyone chanting and stuff. It was really cool. Definitely like the best competition. I'd easily say that I'd like, for me, I, I preferred that comp over like Kids Pan Am's, the atmosphere, because the atmosphere there was just so much, like just so much better. Like, because you just knew that everyone's eyes were on you. Well, I, I, I've, I'm going to see if there's any footage of this show afterwards, uh, this competition afterwards, because it sounds amazing from the stadium to the atmosphere. Yeah, it was. It was really cool, especially just Russia itself was really cool. Like we went to like the circus, which I wouldn't recommend people to go to if they were a bit funny about seeing animals in a circus, because uh, they definitely didn't have any like animal cruelty rules there or anything. I think at one point there was definitely a few fam- families that like, got up and walked out. And then, like, we went to, um, like, a market where they were selling, like, wolf pelts and you could, like, go and, like, I think you could buy, like, bazookas and stuff there. Suddenly, when you go to a different country and you go, I don't think this is legal. <laughs> and and animals is always a fine line because uh, I've definitely been in the same situation where you go on holiday and go, oh, let's do this. The, the one that always gets me is uh, things like sanctuaries. If you go there and you go, oh well, we look after the animals, stuff like that. And then you get there and you're like, I'm, I'm not, sh- I'm, I'm not sure if you do. I'm, yeah, I'm... yeah, no. Like when we went to the circus, there was like the actual acts weren't that bad. It was like outside they had like loads of animals you could take pictures with, and they had like a big, uh, I think it was like a lion that they had there. That was just like clearly they dosed him up on summer because he was on like a really short lead, and I think it was. I think it was like 30 rubles, so it wasn't that much like in UK um, money. Like, it wouldn't have cost much to go and take a picture of it. But then who uh, would you actually messing see? around who would, with lions. Who would you show the picture to anyway? Like, no one would want to see it. No, it was really cool. I'm trying to think. I didn't. Oh, we went to like, we saw the Kremlin and stuff as well. And it just so happened that, um, I don't know if you remember it happening, but as we flew out, it was actually the day where the storm started and the roof of the Kremlin came off. Whoa, so you actually witnessed that? Yeah, we literally, uh, we got on the plane and as the plane was taking off, like it just started to rain. And then like when we landed, everyone was texting us like, oh, are you okay? And it just so happened that literally as we were in the air, the roof of the Kremlin had come off and there's been like a big storm. That sounds suspicious to me. I reckon that you were like, you you and your dad were like tottering around the Kremlin and accidentally knocked something over. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently it is like really dodgy though. We heard stories of like people getting Uber, uh, like getting an Uber. And if the Uber goes past the Kremlin, like on certain days, like your fare just goes through the ceiling if like someone's in the Kremlin. I'm still glad that you enjoyed the experience regardless of um, roofs coming off and potentially those stuck lions. Um, it just does. And I think there's, again, you're talking about your experience, like doing all of that uh, as, 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 as great of an opportunity it is and how fun it is. And I think we'd all agree that 
competing overseas is loads of fun. The only closest I've gone to is, I think, when the Dutch wants to compete, and that was great fun, let alone Russia or Lisbon or all those other places. Um, but it all adds to that experience of, right, now I understand what it's like to, to go somewhere. And the idea of, I think people find it very easy that, well, if you're at home and then the next day you wake up and you go to a comp and then that's it. Whereas if you're having to fly somewhere, maybe spend a couple of days, train, train in a different gym and then compete. It's all part of that experience. It, it, it shapes you as an athlete. Yeah, that's definitely like my favourite thing, uh, like competing. Uh, like when you go competing and stuff, like training at the gyms beforehand is probably like my favourite bit of the experience. Not even the competition, just like training with new people and like seeing like the, like the standards there as well. Definitely like my favourite thing. So I think we did a... Like I've probably said, probably like one of my favorite places I've been was uh, in America. Like we did like a lot of the Tenth Planet clubs. That was pretty cool. And that was so. Uh, well, that you've kind of answered my question, which was kind of the places that the gyms that you really liked. So uh, was there a reason why the Tenth Planet gyms you really enjoyed? Uh, they were just really friendly, like really chilled, really friendly, and I really like my like my rubber guard stuff. So that was pretty cool. Like going seeing so, you know, I could catch my rubber guard stuff on. So we did like a the females only class at Tenth Planet HQ because we weren't free any other day. So uh, we went there and I literally got everyone with my rubber guard, which is pretty funny. <laughs> and there's a, uh, I think as we, we're not used to, you know, as people from the UK, we don't get as many drop-in visitors. So I think it's kind of cool when you, you do go to gyms overseas, depend and, and they're just so used to it. They're like, oh yeah, someone's just come in for the day to train. And you're like, what do you mean and they're, but they're so used to it because like people travel so much to different gyms especially in the states where people do travel within their borders more so than internationally yeah i think we're quite lucky at stuff that we do quite a lot of visitors and like drop-ins and stuff so that's like pretty cool like uh, i know when polaris was in town when it was like in manchester that time when uh, film was fighting Talita. That would, they all like came to stealth and so that's pretty cool like Talita and um, like Nicky Rodriguez and all that so it was really fun point in the story where you tell me that you took down Nick Rodriguez <laughs> no he was like bicep curling people to show up you you mentioned Fion I think this is a good segue into um me asking you is there is there any people that you look at obviously you have your parents who um by the sounds of it are as obsessed um, as jujitsu of you and have passed on that obsession to much success um, but are there any people that you look to whether they be athletes or coaches um, or outside of even jujitsu who, who you look to as role models um, for yourself? I'd definitely say Fionn's one of them which is probably a bit it's a bit weird for me now to say that like I, I see her a lot and I speak to her a lot so that's a bit of a weird one like the fact that you know she was well she still is like my role model and now like, like just yesterday I trained with her. Suddenly when people who you look up to uh, and look up to training, up to kind of meeting their standard, if you will, they then they become your training partners. I think that's one of the fantastic things about jiu-jitsu. Yeah, definitely. I think just like the people you meet as well, like the people you wouldn't expect to meet. Like um, we went to, when we were in Vegas after one of the Pan Ams, we trained with, uh, we went to like the Robert Drysdales and did like the Pan Am camp with them because it was just before adult pans so that was pretty cool like meetings like Robert was there and one of the other black belts who's like really good I can't remember his name now but he was sponsored by at the time I was sponsored by Kings and obviously they're all sponsored by Kings too so that was pretty cool. And how have you found things like camps and prepare and and, and going from competing at on a regional level and kind of just preparing every day and training every day and then going to compete to by the um to moving to uh, a point where you are doing things like camps for euros and things like that like preparation for specific competitions uh, i think the first time i did a camp was probably like 2017 uh in f for february the pans the pan kids then we did a camp then just after christmas we started doing i think before christmas we started preparing like make sure i was like getting towards like weight and stuff like that uh, but that was like ever since then I used to just do like a big camp every February for the pans uh, and then just like any big IBJF ones and then just before like sub -onies, I also do like a camp I think it was more just like my my dad does like a lot of research stuff like he's really nerdy so he's into like reading and like a lot of like sports psychology so I've always done like a lot of visualization before competitions and stuff like that so I normally just I just let my dad lead the camp really because I trust him with what he's gonna tell me to do and stuff. 
I like it. Your dad sounds like the person that everyone needs when they're when they're preparing for big competitions. Yeah, he loves it. I think he, he did um like a, a hypnotization like course, I think it like course, I think. So that's where he does like all the visualization stuff from and he like listens to a lot of like podcasts. Um and like he just he's really nerdy, he, like reads a lot. <laughs> Um, but the thing is, is that gives you the time to then crack on with like with with the with the yeah. actual training and competing, and then he can. I he focus can on what I need to that. focus on, and he does all the rest of me. <laughs> as well as working with your dad, even though it's he's your dad, as well as that, um, one of the other people that um, I've noted that you work with is Andrew Harbwick, um, who was a previous um, guest on our show, and um, is a strength and conditioning coach as well as a jujitsu purple or brown belt himself yeah he got his brown belt uh, and then just before the pandemic and then he got injured well he's he's also the best person to rehab himself so yeah <laughs> what impact how long have you been working with andrew um and what impact has had that had on your performance um i don't i think it's probably like over a year i've been working with him now i think i worked with him all throughout the lockdown because uh, we've got like a lot of gym equipment as well so we have like downstairs we have like two uh, garages that are matted out so we've got two mat spaces and then we have like loads of kettlebells and stuff because my dad's done like the kettlebell instructor course so we put together um like a really good program for that uh but he does he just sorts out like all my um training on the lead up to camps and stuff he tells me when i need a like when i need a peak when i need a drop and like uh kind of like calm down a bit and stuff I think this week I'm supposed to have a bit of a rest week, but he said, I said I didn't really want a rest week, so he's letting me do my own thing this week. But he has been really good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's the hardest thing to yeah. tell athletes to rest, isn't it? No, it's just because, um, like, three out of four weeks this month I've competed. <laughs> so I competed the seventh, I've just competed this weekend at Grappling Industries. Uh, and then this weekend I'm having a rest and then uh, the last weekend of August I'm in Brighton. And uh, is that is that kind of the, the standard procedure for you? So I- I even in lead up, so given that you competed p- before Polaris as well, is that something that you kind of do um, as standard? You c- kind of compete maybe more so on the regional shows and as, as part of the lead up to big competition as, as well? Uh, I used to do a lot of like the smaller competitions. So when I was a kid, I'd just do like all the elite BJJ events, like the the Europeans and the nationals and stuff that they do. Um, and then I've been doing adults since I think I was like 14, 15 when I started competing at Blue Belt Adults. Mm-hmm. So then I just do like all the smaller ones, like the BJJ 24 7. I used to do all of them. Uh, now I'm only doing, to be fair, like I took a break doing like the, the smaller ones because there wasn't really anyone pushing me. Uh, so I'd do like the bigger one. I'd just stick to like the IBGF, maybe like a couple of bigger ones, like sub ones and stuff. But now, just because we've been in lockdown for so long, and I think because of lockdown, like now that it's finally ended, it's because encouraged a lot more girls to compete. So now they're actually happy for my category. So I thought, you know what, I might as well, I as well jump in. And I think things like grappling industries does invite. Um, you you find that there are higher level belts who do compete on those shows. I think just uh, on those competitions. I think just because of the nature of it, because you do get to fight everyone in your category, and it, it does mean that you're you're not going to miss out, if you will. Yeah, I personally like grappling injuries. A because the rule set, I really like the rule set, like being allowed leg locks and stuff like that. But they also let me fight like advanced and stuff for nogi. So it just means that I get to fight like higher belts, which is really cool. And uh, slightly going back to. Um, uh, Andrew as well he talks about uh, well two things a um, and I may have got the wrong person but I believe that you bake as well yeah because um, you <laughs> made some immense looking cookies the other day and um, and I'm sure on our podcast with Andrew before he mentioned the fact that um, you bake is it that you bake before every competition oh no I I don't think that's been that be someone else. Uh, that must be someone else. But he does yeah. seem to be keeping well fed from his ath- by his athletes. Yeah, I used to, I only, I didn't really bake before. I think I just started baking during lockdown. I was like really bored. It's like the only thing to do, especially before I started like my online studies. Like the only thing I had to do was like bake and tidy. <laughs> um, I'd much rather baking over tidying, although I can't bake. Um, um, but he does also talk about, and um, one of the things that he talks about with me that um, 
I found really interesting. He talks about the cup analogy, about the idea that you, you can only handle a certain amount of stressors in your life um, and you decide what you fill it with. So whether that be work or school or training and then and then what I find interesting is he breaks down training to actual kind of the physical training component and then dieting and things like that and, and as well as strength and conditioning and it's about how you choose to fill your cup how do you manage filling your cup in that analogy uh well on the dieting front I don't really diet at the minute to be fair I think I went through that stage like when I was doing panams and stuff I'd diet and I think it can be I think for people like my age it can be quite toxic so I tend to like avoid that at the minute you know, if I have to cut a couple of kilos, cut a couple of kilos, I'll cut a couple, of, a couple of kilos. But I know there's like a few girls my age I've heard do like quite big weight cuts, and that's just not for me. So I tend to avoid that. Um, on the training front, I've definitely been like a lot more careful, and probably like like quality over quantity. That like recently with my training, like before I was like just doing, you know, any day class I can. Whereas now it's like, well, if I turn up to if if I every time I turn up to the day class, there's not many high level belts, and you know, I'm just kind of just rolling with white belts and trying to stay safe and not get squished by their spazziness, then it's not really any point going to those sessions. So now I just focus on like which sessions are going to be most productive for me to go to and for me to do. And like, like um, and nowadays we do at stealth a lot of, there's like a group of us that have taken it upon ourselves. So before class, so class is like seven to eight and then another one eight till nine. So six to seven, we'll do like an hour of positional rounds and then some rolling so like that like them sessions are really productive for me so I I normally them for them I fuel myself and I make sure I'm ready to be as productive as I can get the most out of them sessions and just kind of get as better as like improve as much as I can from them uh, and then like school wise I didn't I'm not very like academic I'd say like I, I did all right in my GCSEs you know I passed everything I've got like the equivalent of C's and B's but I'm not one of those who's like naturally like really clever and it's just not me too I think a lot of athletes are like that though where I was kind of one of those who I got through school I passed everything but it wasn't because I loved school it was because like I was kind of naturally always kind of a bit clever um whereas now so for G for A levels a lot of people do like three or four A levels and then like I think they normally do like four and then they go into their second year they drop one and they do three Whereas I just do two. So I've kind of cut that down that way. I only have two to focus on then. And then maybe afterwards I'll do like a couple of courses. So just so I've got like a few backup plans. So I think at the minute I do uh, Spanish and business and that's it. And then Spanish, my mum can help me with too because it's her first language. So that cuts out a lot, a lot of the stress there. So mo- most of my main focus is just on training and getting better. I I I I like that you just that uh, oh, yeah, I did Spanish as it, I'm doing Spanish as as if that's easy and also thank you for converting because I although um I am what I would deem a young age apparently according to the lady who worked in the cinema the other day said to me oh no you're really old so the new kind of GCSE seven eight nine is just baffling to me like I I, I know the whole thing is stupid like a grade tells you how smart you are but the idea that a number rather than a letter freaks me the hell out yeah no I think they, they literally changed it like a couple years ago like I think it was, I think it was just as I started going into like year nine for my GCSE years they literally changed it then so it still doesn't make any sense to me to be fair <laughs> I think one of the good points to go from here is um uh the questions that got submitted to us uh submitting on instagram i've i've kept supple uh some for the last bit um because they're more humorous than actual questions and i think they're quite funny um but the more interesting the the, the more long-term ones i thought i'd put in now um and you've already talked about a bit before but visualization um it is it, it's a big thing for you um or it's something that you use and uh, I was quite interested in how you use it. Obviously, it seems to come have come for your dad, but just tell me a little about it. So um, there's like a few techniques I use that my dad's, you know, helped me with. So one of the things is um, he gets me to visualize like a control board um, and you press the button and then like all your senses heighten. So like the button press for me might be, I don't know, like touching the mat or listening to a certain song. And then it's like, all the lights go on, you know, everything's heightened and that's it, I'm ready to go. Uh, so that's like one of the things I practice, you know, like I flip that switch in my head and that's it, I'm ready to go, I'm turned on then. 
so I think that's good for like you know if you're having an off day like the, this weekend that's just been I just didn't I wasn't you know it wasn't like my it wasn't like Polaris it was a bit of an off day for me but you know I still came away with the three wins and it was because I was able to implement that you're flipping the switch and that's it you know whether it's an off day or an on day you're ready to go then um and then the other thing we do is uh like I visualize like winning um I visualize like uh, in like escaping position so your my dad always says never visualize like getting into a bad position so I don't visualize like getting swept or like getting choked you know like, anything like that but I do visualize it's like maybe like getting out of side control you know then I come on top and I'm sweeping and I get the tap and I win so I'm always visualizing you know like getting that win you know the the feelings of like standing on the podium having that gold medal like all like the adrenaline rush all that all that type of stuff that's what I visualize and I visualize it like I tend to visualize it like every night before a competition you know like during the day if I'm just sat there it's what I'm constantly thinking about like on Polaris I was constantly thinking about you know like running out getting my hand raised getting that medal like getting the tap you know like getting the the leg attacks that I was going for I was constantly visualizing you know like I go for the leg attacks I get it it goes perfect or you know I don't know, she's got me in a heel hut, I escape it, you know, I come around, I pass it, I get her back, I choke her out, stuff like that I always visualise. And and do you, because I've talked about um, this with people before, and like anything, like um, an armbar, you have to practice these things. So do is this something that you, you do in, in a sense drill uh, every evening or what, uh, every week? Uh, no, I wouldn't say I'd drill it every, you know, if, like on the road to competition, sometimes I'll drill it. I've done a few like sub onlys where they do the, um, like the EBI overtime rule, uh, like where you're starting like spider web or on the back. So like for stuff like that, then I will practice like getting out of it in really quick times. But other than that, I think um, my dad said it, and I think I've actually seen it before. There was a study done in where they basically had a, like a group of people who did nothing and just sat around all day were lazy. Then they had another group of people who lifted weights like so many times a day, like so many reps and stuff. And then they had a third group of people who instead of doing nothing and instead of lifting weights, they visualised lifting the weights. And at the end of the study, they found that the people who visualised doing it had actually um, had actually still got stronger and had put on almost as much muscle as the people who had actually lifted the weights. And that can be then taken into all sorts of things and all sorts of prep I guess and you can apply it in whichever way you want going forward yeah I think the it's like they say it with um like even with, like if you've broken your arm you know you're doing bicep curls with one arm always visualize doing it with the other because then the arm won't deteriorate as much so it's definitely something I implement all the time <laughs> and so the other thing that uh this was a uh, I'm, I'm sure you might be able to guess who asked this um but you seem to be well I don't know a master, but um, you do like a good nap at the gym and especially between uh, multiple classes, um, napping at the gym seems to be um, a key component to training. Yeah, I don't think I've done it that much since, uh, I think since lockdown, I don't know if I actually had a nap at the gym, but before lockdown, like all the time in between classes, especially when I was there like four or five hours in the evening, I'd definitely have a nap. I, I, I'm, I'm always impressed by, I, no, impressive the word i always find it amusing what people use to nap on as well so whether that be like a the classic maybe like a bag or, or a tie pad or some people get a bit creative with how they nap oh i just i don't get really creative but to be fair i think i just sometimes i don't even have a pillow you know i just use my arms or you know maybe like a hoodie or something and then i just sleep in my gears like a bit of a blanket and that's it <laughs> that's me done do you find though that when you do you have to do you tell people to wake you up at a certain time before the next class uh yeah sometimes or I'll just like set an alarm on my phone like I sleep before um I normally have like a nap before competitions too you're one of those you're like the second second or third guest of the the nappers before during like uh, competitions how do you what is the secret to the nap is there a I secret? Just, I don't know. I think it's just because I'm so calm and I don't really get nervous that it doesn't really bother me. Like before Polaris, I think like 15 minutes prior to the like the match, I was probably asleep. I, I wish I could do it. But to be fair, it, it, it also, I think, is if I ever see my opponent asleep at the comp, it always kind of goes, oh, God damn it. That means they're so chilled. They're so relaxed. <laughs> I think I always I always have like a nap at competitions as well because um I suffer with migraines as well at competitions like because of the lights that the lights oh, are okay. quite harsh on my eyes so I get like a lot of migraines so I always have a nap just to like just have a break from it. 
Is is that something that do you find that that happens mid combat? So things like Polaris and shows where they do kind of have stages rather than it's in a sports hall somewhere. Is that something that you've had to kind of deter, or is it literally yeah. just pop a couple of Nurofen beforehand? Uh, yeah, I'm on um, medication for it now, like anti nausea and stuff like that. But um, like Nurofen and stuff like that, never really worked for me. It's not just it's not just like shows though. I get it. Like even at like a smaller competitions in the sports hall or even with the big lights, I get it. It is quite bad. So, like, at Polaris, it got to the point where I was literally being, like, sick, like, quite a bit after the comp. I had, so, I had the migraine just before I competed. So, I slept quite a bit in the warm period. And then afterwards, I was, like, sick quite a lot as well. That's mad. Is that something that you've had to deal with for a long time? It's something I've had for a few years now, yeah. But it's just progressively got worse. So, um, I went to that. Uh, Ashley Williams did that ADCC lightweight camp. Mm-hmm. And I went there and I was really ill there too. Like I had to be sick just like a carry on training. That's that's crazy. Well, I'm I'm glad you're getting medication for it. And hopefully, hopefully it does help things because I just can't imagine that that may, that I mean, I know you're chilled out at competitions, but I can't imagine that being a uh, a thing that uh, you want on your mind or have to deal with during, uh, when you're warming up or preparing. Yeah, I know it's not great. It's pretty inconvenient um well look into the future then my a migraineless future hopefully um is there things that you have you talked about we've got obviously pan ams and euros and the the other and worlds and other big competitions uh the plan is i'm not doing the trials this year but i'm planning on doing the adcc trials next time so definitely working towards that and with with uh with trials in mind then is there is there any particular kind of people that you'd be excited to compete at uh compete with and yeah and I've, obviously adcc is the echelon i think i said that right of uh the upper echelon of all nogi competitions um but is that is there any p- particular people or kind of you uh, any particular venues that you want to compete at or is it just generally exciting for the idea of yeah. competing on that show yeah, the idea is exciting because I think I've heard people like refer to it as like the Olympics of jiu-jitsu and like stuff like that. So I think I'm definitely not there yet, but like competing against like be a Basilio, be a Mosquito, like Theon, that'd be really cool. So yeah, doing that is definitely on my bucket list. And do you guys fall into the same? I presume then you you are in that weight category or will be in that weight category for four ADCC. Yeah, I'm definitely cutting to sixty. Not doing over sixty. <laughs> There's the always the apps. Not- yeah, the fact that there's not like a third weight category is ridiculous. Because they don't do an absolute either, do they, for uh, girls? No, they don't. That's right, nope. for girls, which is stupid as well. No, uh, no the absolutes, fact that they don't only two weight categories. I mean, I talked about um, this with Daniel Ty a little, um, but, and, and you alluded to it earlier about the idea of cut, cutting, you know, you shouldn't be cutting weight, especially, uh, especially for people who are kids and teens, and the idea, it, it can kind of, really fuck people's kind of both health physical health and their mental health as well but do you find that kind of frustrating the idea that well I, I could be in a different category if they just made it because there are plenty of girls who compete yeah I just think it's ridiculous that like in this day and age there's still only two weight categories like what what is there's no excuse for it is there really because like then you've got got people like 65 kilos fighting gabby garcia what's the point what are they really going to get out of it exactly. and then you've got people like, like oh, i can't borrow a name like the japanese girl uh begins with like ah but she's like really small and they got her fighting fion who's had to cut to make that weight it's just not fair in any of them even just adding like one extra weight division would make a big difference yeah because you know it, at the end of the day, it's everyone versus Gabby Garcia in the top category. Um, not for any fault of Gabby Garcia, really, because, you know, she, it's not like she's going to cut down. Oh, well, cut down to below 60. No problem, guys. Yeah, and plus a lot of the girls other than like other than Gabby Garcia, everyone else does like a lot of the IBJF competitions. So I know just before ADCC, a lot of them made a point of like getting themselves tested and proving that they weren't doping. So for them to all be against her, he's clearly on everything that she can get her hands on. It's just not fair, is it? No. 
Um, but Nick, kind of looking to the future as well, um, one of the things that people are really interested in, um, we've talked about school a little bit as well, but talk about sacrifices that people make. Um, and I think we can talk about sacrifices in both adult life and there's the social aspect as well. But there are any there are any things that people may not realise that you know you do have to make and kind of sacrifice when you you are competing at this level. There are like a lot of sacrifices, you know, like maybe I wasn't as academic at school, but the social aspect of it, I am like a bit of a social butterfly. I do really like that social aspect of it, you know, having friends. But I have, in reality, I have sacrificed that to go down this route. I don't, other than like a, maybe a couple of people that I still stay in touch with from school, I don't really have any friends my age because I can't, like, we're doing this, you can't be going out every weekend. Like, it's just not, it's not, A, it's like financially, you know, you've got to save all your money for competitions, but then like, you've got to be, you've always got to be competition ready. So I can't be going out every Friday night, Saturday night drinking with them. And, you know, at, that, at my age, that is what everyone wants to do. I can't be going out. You know, if I've got to be staying on weight for competitions, then I can't be going out eating pizzas and getting takeaways with them. So really, like, I have sacrificed that social aspect of it. Do you find that 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 people kind of breeze over that? Maybe especially when you were younger and competing, the people just thought well, you got it easy. There's, there's, you know, you don't have to worry about sacrificing a lot. Yeah, I think because I know I didn't realize how hard it'd be until I took that jump, especially during lockdown where then like you couldn't even go out and see your friends so to then make that jump of like not really having that social life either when I came out of lockdown was a really big step uh, and then it's just like I don't know, it's just like an all-around it is like a huge sacrifice because you know everything so you've got it great you know you're traveling to countries and like you're getting all these memories yeah but then I come back and you know like my friends are like 26 year old blue belt guys at the gym <laughs> yeah uh the 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 friendship groups of jujitsu people in general let alone jujitsu athletes i think are always if you want kind of a diverse group of people from different ages genders every category just look at a jujitsu gym because it's 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 a whole mix and especially when you look at then your friendship group of that gym it's kind of a whole mix of people yeah, I think I think a lot of people, I think nearly everyone who trains jiu-jitsu really makes some type of sacrifice. Like, I know even the lads who, they're never going to be, like, the black belt world champions, but, you know, they, they still, they don't get home until, like, hard, until, like, 10 o'clock at night. You know, they don't see their girlfriends really during the week. They see them in the morning before they go to work and when they get back from training, when they get in bed. You know, they, everyone makes some type of sacrifice to train, especially if you're then, you know, like, competing and stuff. Like, I know, like, I don't really see my grandparents because they live in Oxford and I can't really take the time to go down when then I'm missing out on training, especially I've got like, competitions coming up and I'm in a camp. It's taking that, it's hard to take just like, I think people don't understand that it's hard just to take that step away. Just having a week off is a big deal. I like, uh, I'm sure Andrew was telling you to take a rest week. You get like the jujitsu jitters, jitters and the competing jitters. You, you, it's it's so ingrained in you that you want to go, you, you go to training, it's like, right, when's the next session? That suddenly if you go away, it's like... I, just, I need to get back I need to get back I'm missing out yeah especially when like that is your social life as well like that is you know like from like six till half nine every night that is where I am so to then be like oh yeah have a rest week just don't go training for like like you know relax off training or don't go to the gym or somewhere or just you know like have a bit of a play around that is my life so then like take like a week away it's like what what am I gonna do yeah there's only so much sitting at home will do yeah um and the final question you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna move that to the last bit um of the interview which we're getting on to now um which is like a quick fire round um so essentially it's uh a few quick questions some funny some a bit more kind of serious in topics um but they're all kind of a way of people finding out a little bit more about you um uh and hopefully we'll reveal some good answers um, so we'll jump straight into that. Um, so it's acai, yay or nay? Yay. Yay. Toppings as well, everything? Yeah, definitely. Just not stuff like raisins. Like I don't like like raisins and stuff out for me. But like, you know when they put like um, like strawberries, bananas, honey, that type of thing. Or the European, dried peanut bar. Yeah. Europeans, they put like condensed milk on it. That's I've like never heard in. condensed milk on acai. Yeah, that's like the best thing. Um, what's wrong with sultanas and raisins? 
What's I'm not a fan. Not a fan. Not a bit of me. What? You can't have them. It's like you can't have porridge without them in it. Oh it's, no! It's, it's not the same. <laughs> Definitely, you know. Uh, toughest opponent to date? Um, probably Nia Blackman. Get to beat her, but she's now like seventy nine kilos, so I'm just never gonna get that chance. Well, when the ADCC Absolute Women's category <laughs> finally gets created, <laughs> then the time will come. She don't really do no gi though, I so that's the thing. I've always wanted to get my hands on her in no gi, and I've never had the chance. Well, I'm sure you've got plenty of time to uh, uh, to change her mind. I'm sure she might she might even venture out. Maybe Polaris can sort something out for you. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> this one's good. Uh, how many times has Sam Quinn Hilled hooked you? <laughs> Not as many times as he wished. Not as many times as he wished. There you go, Sam. Um, if you could train anywhere in the world, who, where would you go and who would you train with? Uh, I like Letitia Herberos. That was a pretty good vibe. Loads of girls there. Oh, like in Europe, definitely easy to do. And uh, uh, something that, is there some a fact that, or a, a particular hidden talent that some people don't know about you or people don't know? Um, I don't think so. I mean, Dar O'Connell admitted that he was a grade one piano. I can't remember what other people have dinged. Can you do like a Rubik's Cube or anything? Not uh, that I no, can do a oh, Rubik's I used, Cube. I did like um, a Barman Latin dance for five years before I did Jiu-Jitsu. Gave it up for Jiu-Jitsu. I was pretty good at that. You did what kind of line dancing? Ballroom and Latin dancing. Oh, ballroom and Latin dancing? Yeah, yeah, because my uh, my mum's from Bolivia, so I had to do a bit of Latin dancing for her. So you could have joined in when Team USA were having a little dance off. You could have joined in. I should have done. You should have done next time. Now, well, not that any of them might. Uh, if any of them find out about this, maybe they'll tell you to get involved in the boogie, uh, boogie <laughs> down before the uh, as the warm up. Uh, favorite rule set? Uh, like Sabolli, like Polaris rule set. A song you get hyped to? Uh, I don't really. I normally just show what a playlist. Do I, don't you, really, do I never you, really listen to it anyway. It's just like background music to my thoughts, isn't it? <laughs> so I was going to say, it's not kind of, oh, I'm going to play this before I go out and compete. No, I normally just put on like a random like rap playlist and that's and just good hope enough that, for you. Hope, yeah, it's just good enough for me. Um, dream matchup. You've kind of alluded before, but if you had like a dream fight, any competitor in the world? I definitely like that Nogi match against Nia, but I don't know. I don't think it'd happen at the minute just because she is like 14 kilos heavier than me now. Bit of a big difference. But um, I don't know. When I'm ready, probably like someone, like when I'm actually, you know, like a high level black belt, you know, like be a mosquito or all that would be really cool. Uh, Post fight munch. Uh, normally, I'd have a pizza. Because like, normally it's a long journey back, so I'd just have a pizza on the way home. Whatever, whatever can be taken into the car. Yeah, yeah, anything in the car, like KFC, some of that. Sometimes I just bring snacks. <laughs> uh, we've kind of touched on what helps you balance in life. Um, is there any kind of particular tools that you use? Are you kind of an avid diary person? Do you schedule out? Is there anything that helps you kind of balance like jujitsu life and home life? Um, I probably don't have a great balance, to be fair. Because if I'm not like training or doing schoolwork, then normally I'm just teaching privates. But maybe, maybe the answer to that question could be your dad. Yeah. Coffee of choice, or if you don't drink coffee, caffeine of choice. Um, I like a good like iced latte from Starbucks. I'll, but I normally have like an extra shot of coffee in it because there's just not got not enough coffee in it. Yes, you won me back. I was you were losing me, and then extra shot of coffee. Okay, that's that's a good answer. Um, and finally, if someone could play you in a movie, who would it be, and what kind of movie would it be? Uh, definitely like an action film. That would be pretty cool. Uh, I don't know. I think it'd be like it'd have to be like a funny actor. Like it'd have to be funny. Uh, no, to be fair, no. as long as it was an action, as long as it was an action film, I'd be good. Like action comedy, kind of. Yeah. Trying yeah. to think. 
uh, like that Sandra Bullock one that I always forget the name of. Yeah, like Sandra Bullock would be funny. Okay, we'll go Sandra Bullock then. So Sandra Bullock, action, uh, in Russia, in a circus. Yeah, that's why that. Baking cookies and choking people out. Yeah. <laughs> Sandra Bullock doing jiu-jitsu would be pretty funny. Well, the film, if Keanu Reeves can make a jiu-jitsu film, then why can't Sandra yeah. Re- Sandy B? Yeah, oh, Millie Bobby Brown, because she used to do jiu-jitsu, didn't she? Did she? Yeah, she used to train with uh, Jimmy Johnstone for a bit. I had no idea. It's all these celebrities coming out the woodwork. My yeah. favourite one's Henry Cavill, who trains with Hodger. Um, yeah, I think it was, um like, she, I think she got, like, a couple straps on her white belt. It was right before she uh, got big on Stranger Things. I think you should fight Millie Bobby Brown. <laughs> Maybe you can play, maybe she can play you and you can play like the bad guy in this hypothetical film. But then you really, you'd really want to beat her. So you'd have, it'd be only if you could accept losing to her in the film because she was playing you. <laughs> I'd accept losing just if she, as long as she was playing me. <laughs> well, the movie writes itself. Um, well, Libby, thank you very much for coming on once again. Congratulations on your Polaris win. Um, and I'm sure there's even more yet to come. Not yet to come and more, just because you've already done more so far. <laughs> so um so far, but even more yet to come. Um uh for if there is there any particular place that people should uh find you if they want to follow you? Uh you can find me on my Instagram, the Begenge BJJ. You know, message me if you've got any inquiries, like privates or anything, because I do teach a lot of privates, so uh, you can always find me there, any sponsors, stuff like that. Get get the girl to the States. She needs to compete. Need some money. <laughs> well, thank you very much for coming on again. It was great talking to you. Thank you. Have a good day. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. To keep up to date with all our latest stuff, follow us at The Prodigy Podcast on Instagram.